Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. Who did this? This jam. Who did this? Is dedicated to Moise. That's right, you guys. It's just for me. You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster Podcast with hosts Amy and Kevin. Coming back at you with our second quarantine episode of 2020. Yeah. What's that? So there's like BC was like before Christ or whatever. Oh, this is before Corona. So this is after Corona. There's going to be like pre-Corona and after (laughs) Corona now. Yes, but it's actually episode 21. And we're going to be starting a little three-parter, a fun, quote-unquote, fun three-parter episode on... Fun for us. Yeah, it, it was fun, actually, right? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't we're, die. It's called, we're, we're calling it Facing the Music, which we are going to be focusing on musicians, singers, those, you know... Faces. Those people. It does seem like musicians... And celebrities and, you know, maybe it's because they're more in the public eye or they're more scrutinized or whatever. They do seem to have a higher rate of like murder and crime related things on them. You know, I was thinking about this Uh and, you know, (laughs) being a musician myself. Yeah. What's your problem? Yeah, but you're not like a lot of like, like (laughs) club owners and like that whole like scene is like pretty underground. So you meet some pretty grimy people. And yeah. If you're one of these people that are constantly like on the road touring, it, yeah. you do get tired and pick-me-ups are Yeah, so I could see where the nice. like drug and alcohol stuff comes in, but also like it seems like a lot of musicians or club owners, there's like that kind of idea of like the get rich quick schemes like how much money can we make really quick sometimes? Yeah, there's and, a, and a lot of slimy fuckers out yeah, there. Yeah, and I'm also talking about, like, Hollywood. I'm not talking about, like... Even slimier. Yeah. like The slimiest. Yeah, and it's all about taking advantage of talent and exploiting it for the short Weinstein amount of time. Style. Yeah, for the short amount of time that you can. Because in Hollywood years, 30 is, like... Shoot them in the head. Yeah, yep. take them in the backyard Old Yeller and shoot them in the, in the head. Exactly, yeah. So it does seem like musicians and singers are like moths to a flame when it comes to crime and murder. And another element, too, is that there does seem to be an air of mystery around a lot of these people's untimely deaths or murders, too. Like nothing is quite as easy as it I feel like it could seem. And I think it's a lot of the fans making things of it, too, where they don't want their 
their beloved person's death to be mundane, simple. And we're going to talk about a couple of those types. But just to give you guys a little bit of an overview, so you have something to look forward to in this quarantine. I'm nodding my head. You can't see it. <laughs> in this episode, we're going to focus on an overview of people that we're actually not going to talk about too in depth, but just like musicians that have met their untimely ends in some kind of crime-related way or another, or other people who've gotten a little too touchy-touchy with true crime. So we'll talk about those people as well. <laughs> and in the second half of the episode, we're just going to focus on Lisa Left Eye Lopez, who is one of my favorite people ever. And I really, really... really ever? Oh my gosh, I, I, I'll talk about it when we get there, but... Bold. I was enamored by her. She's pretty. She's... I mean, but by her talent, like her outgoingness, her rebellion, just everything about her, I wanted to be so badly. Anyways, we'll get to that. Her life was interesting. We'll, we'll get to it. So that's who we're going to focus on in this episode. And then in episode 22, we're going to focus on Dimebag Daryl. Yeah, so <laughs> you so, guys so get ready. bring your respect walks because... <laughs> We're taking over this town. So that's who you're going to focus on. I'm actually going to focus on the late, great Sam Cooke. <laughs> That'll be, that to me is a funny combo. <laughs> Dimebag Daryl and Sam Cooke. I bet they could make, make a mean chili. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like song. And no, I don't. I don't no. Think, no, no, no. I don't chili. think they could. Yeah, just chili. Yeah. And then in episode 23, we're going to explore the trials of Basically, it seems like Twisted Sister and Judas Priest for the most part and like Tipper Gore kind of going after them, right? So what I think she's getting at <laughs> is censorship stuff. Oh, that, from, yeah, sorry. I, was, I think like the late the 80s. But Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister was like a big voice for calling you know them. Bullshit. You know, calling bullshit yeah, on them. Basically. Yeah. So we'll kind of explore that aspect of music and whatever came of it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Good segue. So like we said, we're going to do a, I was going to say quick, it's not going to be quick. We're going to do an overview of some kind of, I put together this list over a span of a couple of days and they were just people who either came to mind or I did a little bit of research on that are, you know, kind of famous for some kind of aspect of like true crime in their lives. We're going to speed it up, though, and we're going to put the Benny Hill music to it. All right. So our first kind of category, I, I put these in categories, is just pretty much straight up murder. Right? She's very organized. Yeah. So the first category is just straight up murder. So do you want to start us off there? <laughs> right as you're taking a big swig of wine. I would love to. All right. So straight up murders. This The, the first of this category, <laughs> winner, winner, Euronymous and Varg Vikernis also known as the Count Grishnak Ugh. and other black metal murders. Uh, I, we're probably going to do a f more in of a the full episode on the black metal murders in the future here, but basically Count Grishnak, <laughs> you guys already know this stuff, burns some churches, robbed graves, stabs the godfather, in quotes, of the second wave of black metal 30-some-odd times till death, but y'all already know that. And then Selena. Selena? Selena? Selena. Come Selena. on. I even know that. 
Yeah. And a lot of podcasts have done her untimely end. She was murdered by her fan club president, really in the prime of her career. That lady was fucking nuts. Which one? Selena? No. <laughs> I'm. She was a wonderful human being. No, I know. I, I watched the documentary. <laughs> Are you talking about the one where Jennifer Lopez plays her? That's a biopic. I don't think it's a documentary. <laughs> You're a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> you were thinking of the Jennifer Lopez one, weren't you? <laughs> I probably was. <laughs> Thanks for calling me out. So you probably haven't heard of this guy, but Marvin Gaye, he was shot three times in the chest by his father, Marvin Gaye Sr., with the gun that actually Marvin Gaye Jr. gave him. This happened after a heated argument not long before. It was about a year after his successful Grammy win and a hit on the charts for sexual healing. He was at... In a bad way, physically and psychologically at this time. Marvin Gaye Sr. or Jr.? Jr. So this was like a year after he was like all popular and stuff. Mm -hmm. and oh, so he, so he was, was kind of... depressed. And I think he was strung out on coke and all this shit. Oh. So he has this gnarly argument with his dad. And then he goes to his room or whatever. He's with his mom. His dad comes in and shoots him. Oh, that's so fucking nuts. So his brother, Frankie, lived next door, and he, like, you know, heard what happened and came over. And I guess Marvin Jr. was dying, basically, in Frankie's arms. And Marvin supposedly said, I got what I wanted. I couldn't do it myself, so I made him do it. Whoa, I didn't know that part. Yeah. The next one, Mia Zapata. She is somebody that's like heavily, we could have definitely done a full episode on her, but so many podcasts have. I believe True Crime Garage and True Crime All the Time did her somewhat recently. So if you listen to either of those podcasts and want to hear like the full story of her, I highly recommend it. But basically, she was the lead singer for an up and coming Seattle grunge band, the Gits, and she was found murdered in the street on July 7th, 1993. So very much in the heyday of that music. Yeah, totally. So theories of what happened went on for years, and she, and many people believe that she was killed by a cab driver. Was it just a random attack, or did someone beat and strangle her at the rehearsal studio she was at that night? So those were the three theories kicking yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 2001... PCR testing was done on a swab of saliva taken from a bite mark on Mia's body. And basically that's some sort of DNA test. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so as a result, a DNA profile was extracted from the saliva and the DNA matched 48-year-old fisherman Jesus. Jesus. Jesus? Yeah. Jesus? Yeah. It's not Jesus. Uh, it's probably Jesus. I'm going to say Jesus. Anyways, he was a felon arrested for sexual assault and had a history of abusing women. So that's He's who spit was on her? Bad Jesus, yeah. Weird. It's not the good one. So that wasn't one of the theories, was it? Was it a random? No. Was he the cab well, driver? Well, I guess if... Was if, he the cab driver? No, no, no. He was just a random, like... That's fucking like, crazy. Creep that, like... Apparently he lived, like, three blocks from where oh. the body was found. Oh. So it was just a crime of opportunity. It was option two of the three. Oh, okay. A random attack. Oh, okay, I see. I guess. But uh, 
January of 2003, he was arrested in Miami and charged with Mia's murder. In March 2004, he was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to 36 years in prison. So next up, Nipsey Hussle, a rapper and entrepreneur who was gunned down outside of his own clothing store called Marathon Clothing in South L.A. Exactly a year ago tomorrow. That's crazy. Yeah. Because today's the 30th, but this will come out on the 31st, so it's yep. exactly one year that he's been gone. Yeah, March 31st, 2019 is when it happened. Wow. So Eric Holder, a 29-year-old man who had confronted Hustle earlier in the day, was arrested and charged with the murder on April 2nd, 2019. Some think there's more to this than people are saying, but we'll just leave it at that. Next on Amy's little list, <laughs> John Lennon. Who cares? But I care somewhat. Come on. I know you don't care about the Beatles. I don't, you know, whatever. Next up, Bobby Beausoleil. Born November 6, 1947, an American murderer, given the death sentence for killing his friend Gary Hinman, some friend you were. Also, <laughs> yeah, uh, also friends with Charlie Manson and members of his communal family. So, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And your family really far away. Yeah. <laughs> so, he was given the death sentence, but his sentence was commuted to life sentence from the Supreme Court of California. They invalidated all death sentence issued in California prior to 72. So, he got off on that one. Well, I mean, he's still in prison. Well, yeah. But he's like an artist and stuff, so he can still make his art and record music. During his own incarceration in the California state prison system, he had recorded and released music along with, like I just said, visual art, instrument design, and media technology. And he did with Dennis, like Weird War, right? Did yeah. They, did they release something? Sorry, guys. <laughs> you guys listened to our podcast, and we didn't do our homework on you. They definitely have a connection to Bobby Beausoleil. Yep, they do. There might be a record they put out or something. Yeah. He had been up for parole several times and been denied every time. So, next up, I don't know if you guys remember this guy, but Don Drummond. He's a Jamaican ska trombonist and composer. He was one of the original members of the Scottalites, one of Amy's all-time favorites. <laughs> no. She's a big fan of the ska. He composed many of their tunes. In 65, he was convicted of the murder of his longtime girlfriend, Anita Margarita Mafud. She was an exotic Roomba dancer and singer. On January 1st, 1965, he was ruled criminally insane and imprisoned at Bellevue Asylum, Kingston, where he remained until his death four years later. Yeah, it is kind of a crazy story. So if you want to look more into that, it is interesting. The next one is... Charles Manson. <laughs> right? And you're saying who? So if you don't know who he is... Then what are you doing listening to this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like Amy never hearing Pantera before. <laughs> Which I'm a very lucky person. But I bet you I'm going to by next week. Dimebag Daryl, was he in Pantera? <laughs> Do you see how innocent she is? <laughs> Was he? <laughs> yes. Okay, okay, Come okay. On. 
I avoid them. Okay, I'm sorry if you're listening. Yeah, our our friends Pantera. across the pond, <laughs> Chrissy Amenum, they're big fans. They're big fans of you. Oh, they're very jealous of you because <laughs> I've never heard yes. Pantera. <laughs> All right, and then the last one that's just kind of the straight up murder ones is Beasts of Satan. We're a satanic group, and the members of which were Italian. tried Italian. They were tried and convicted of a series of satanic ritual murders between 1998 and 2004. The slayings were called, quote, one of the most shocking crimes in post-war Italy, end quote, by the BBC. We're definitely going to take a deeper look into this one and definitely do another kind of musical true crime series We're going to get down with some of these heavy metal murders. Yeah. Heavy metal murder. Because that was well, really yeah. hitting close to home. So the next category is kind of like mysterious or controversial crimes that musicians, artists, music groups have been involved with. And so the first probably most weirdly hotly contested one is, you could probably guess, Tupac. I prob- that probably wouldn't have been my first guess. I, I bet you 50%, at least 50% of listeners would have said Tupac. I would have said El Duce. Uh. <laughs> we really need to know what happened. Yeah. So Tupac was shot on the Vegas Strip in a <laughs> drive-by after a Mike Tyson fight. No, he's not alive. And if you want to know more... Mike Tyson's ab- alive. Yes, he is. But if you want to know more about Tupac's death and all of the kind of, you know, just a lot of things about Tupac, Last Podcast on the Left does a really awesome job. It's like a four or five part series they did. So I highly recommend it. I think they also talk about Biggie Smalls in that as well, which is the next person on our list. Yep. Biggie Smalls, the hip hop artist, was shot four times in a drive-by shooting. (laughs) Biggie Smalls, the hip hop artist, not to be confused with Biggie Smalls, the painter. (laughs) (laughs) Biggie Smalls, the underwear model. (laughs) So he was hit in a drive-by shooting in Los Angeles, California, in the early hours of March 9. 1997. Retired LAPD officer Greg Kading alleged that Marion Shug Knight, the head of Death Row Records, <laughs> orchestrated the murder in revenge for the killing of Tupac Shakur. I know I sound very white right now. <laughs> That's a lot of shrouded and mystery stuff too, both Big and Tupac, which... Again, that it's like almost it's as complicated as like the JFK shooting. So I'm we're not going to get into. I it wouldn't here. say it's that complicated, it's, but there's it's it's there's pretty like, crazy. Like, yeah, I don't know if you've heard of the Boulets. <laughs> are those? It's a secret are society. They, oh, uh, are they related to the bidets? <laughs> I'm not. I can't talk about that. But <laughs> look at look it up. It's crazy. All it goes right. deep, homie. All right. Now I sound really white. Yeah. Homeboy. Home, 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 homeboy. Jeez. You know that's from? Yeah, it's... uh, Bedroom Intruder. Yeah. We should have an Anthony Dobson Tillman... No, that's one of my old students. Um, (laughs) His name is Anton 
Dodson? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's it. I almost just like said the complete name of one of my old students. <laughs> All right. Next up is... Sid and Nancy. Sid Vicious and... What was her last name? Nancy Vicious? No, it was Nancy something. <laughs> Goes to show how much we love the Sex Pistols, huh? So in October of 1978, Nancy was found dead in the bathroom of the couple's room with a single stab wound to the abdomen. Sid Vicious was charged with her murder but died of a heroin overdose while on bail in February of 79 before the case went to trial. Some think it was their drug dealer that stabbed Nancy, though. So that's... I would just think it's Sid Vicious. Well, all signs point to him, yes. You know what it reminds me of is that Oscar Pistorius. Do you know who that is? He's the athlete with the fake legs from South Africa. He... I don't know of him. What? Oh, we're gonna, we might have to do an episode on him one of these days. It's really interesting. He he is like this very famous athlete with two artificial legs. Like they're those blade kind of legs. And he thought that he heard something in the bathroom. And I, I don't think he stabbed. I think he shot through the door thinking that somebody was in his bathroom and he ended up killing his girlfriend. So she was found dead in the bathroom. And... He very much tried to use defense that he thought it was an intruder, but eh, yeah, he definitely went away for some time. They didn't find yeah. him totally innocent. Well, that's good because he pretty much just shot his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. And she was this like amazing woman who was like this beautiful model, blah, blah, blah. Oscar Pistorius is pretty good looking. That he, He's kind of known for being good looking. And so I think... I think he was hoping to get off on his, like, good For looks. For a guy with no legs. Well, well, I mean, his face was not... He didn't have a fake face. But, like, the only connection I'm drawing is that, you know, dead girlfriend in the bathroom. Oh, and And, and gotcha. whoop, whoops. Whoops is right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whoops. Did he ever, like, admit anything or anything? Do you know? Sid? Yeah. From beyond the grave? Well, I mean, there was some time between the death and his overdose... Not that I know of. Okay. Yeah, me neither. I've never watched any of the, I know there's that movie, like, Sid and Nancy. Doesn't Courtney Love play Nancy in that movie? Probably. She comes up later in our list right below. <laughs> <laughs> right about now. <laughs> so, Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. You may have heard of them. <laughs> it says, yep, suicide. Just ask El Duce. That's the... T- I'm going to say El Duce one more time in this episode. And, and then he's going to appear in the he's mirror. He's going to come back to life. <laughs> it's going to be fucking awesome. Morbid actually did a pretty good Kurt Cobain episode recently, the Morbid podcast. There's a couple other podcasts who do. Kurt Cobain is done heavily. It's a very, very, very strange scene. I mean, everything about it does not point to suicide at all. It's super sketchy. That's as much into conspiracies as Amy ever gets right there. Yeah. She probably killed him. Sorry, Courtney Love, don't come after me. Or she contracted El Duce to kill him. And then he, El Duce, he was found dead on the train tracks like the next day or something. 
Was that the story? I don't know if it was the next day. But it was but very it was, soon after. He yeah. was about to be interviewed by police, I think. You know, he just fell asleep on the train tracks. It, ha- it happens. It does actually happen. Very, I've been very... pretty tired in my life. <laughs> You've wandered over the train tracks. I've, Please be careful. I've slept behind a bush in Baltimore. One or of the safe, in a bush. One of the safest cities to sleep on the streets, actually. <laughs> Uh, I've slept. We- Have you many, ever slept in a train yard? Many weird places, but I've never been so tired that I'm. Just, oh, look at these train tracks. They look comfy. Yeah, no. I'm glad. No, I'm glad you're still here. <laughs> Me too. So, Gary Driscoll. I don't know if you guys know about him, but he was a longtime bandmate of the demigod Ronnie James Dio. He played drums on the first Rainbow record. He was also found dead in his friend's apartment June of 1987. Many think it was drug-related. Like meaning it was an overdose or meaning that like drug people were after him? There's a mixed crowd on that. Ah, so it's controversial. The official story is that it was a drug overdose, but Mm -hmm. people think that he lived with this dude who was a drug dealer and stole, found his stash, you know, did it all or whatever, and then the guy came for him for money, which he didn't have, and then there was mob ties and blah, blah, blah. Good story. <laughs> Is this Reddit rabbit Oh, hole you went, went down, down a Reddit rabbit hole? <laughs> yeah. I did it. So it's not just, by fans, it's not just totally accepted as, like, an accident. So check it out. It was from a guy whose mom's <laughs> friend lived with one of those dudes. <laughs> Solid research only here at the True Crime Dumpster. Verified facts only. So the last mysterious death that we're just going to talk about today is, of course, Elliot Smith, which if you want to go in more depth on his very controversial murder slash suicide, it was deemed, I think it was seen as like, I, I don't know what the official prognosis was but i don't think that's a word i meant to use but anyways the official cause of death the prognosis is he's dead dead. (laughs) (laughs) but the true crime garage guys they did a two-parter on elliot smith and they did a really really good job so in 2003 at 34 years of age he died in los angeles california from two stab wounds to the chest which is fucking hard to do to yourself he stabbed himself pretty much right in the heart the autopsy evidence was... He doesn't in- sound Japanese. It no. Sounds like they do it, no problem. No, no, no. Seppuku is when you put it, draw it across your stomach. You don't break your chest plate. Oh. <laughs> the autopsy evidence was inconclusive as to whether the wounds were self-inflicted or the result of homicide. Smith rose to mainstream prominence with his song Miss Misery, which was included on the soundtrack for Goodwill Hunting in 1997. It was nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Song. He also, do you know where he went to high school? Do you? Yeah, in Ventura. No, Portland. Ah. He went to Lincoln High School in Portland. Really? Yeah. A lot of people, like with Matt Groening and and I think, I can't think of any. They went at the same time? No. Matt Groening's old. No, no, no. He went, I think Kathleen Hanna also went there too. They may have gone at the same time. But anyways, yeah. Miss Misery. That makes sense that he was from Portland and writes a song like that. Yeah. 
I think he jetted out of there pretty soon after. And I think he lived in Washington, like Bellevue, Washington or something for a while. He was very much Pacific Northwestern-y. And then after he moved to L.A. to kind of do the whole Hollywood thing, I think he was super unhappy. And I think he had a lot of depression stuff. Well, that part of town kind of fucking sucks. And his suicide note, if I'm correct, was on a post-it. And it said, I'm sorry. Short and sweet. Yeah, I'm sorry, XO, like, Elliot Smith or something. Huh. And that's why they're like, yeah, that post-it could have been taken from, like, the juice container in the fridge for, like, drinking it. Like, oh, sorry, you know. Sorry, gotta go. Yeah. So then there's also some musical folks that have elements of crime. Um, I started to look into this one, the Jerry Lee Lewis, because he's just got all kinds of creepy stuff. But... He married his, like, 14-year-old cousin or something, or, like, I think it was niece. I know we didn't look into this one very much, but I did see there's another podcast I have not listened to yet called Disgraceland, and they do an episode on Jerry Lee Lewis that goes super in-depth. And apparently he, like, tried to shoot bandmates and maybe killed one of his wives. And so it's more than just him being a creepy dude who sang Great Balls of Fire and married, like, a very young relative of his there's more to it than that so (laughs) another possible touchy touchy bad boy is the smooth criminal himself michael jackson so he had the baby over the balcony rail which is right do you know where he did it at it was in france or germany at the brandenburg gate oh yeah right next to the brandenburg gate how symbolic he had bubbles the monkey is that a crime I don't know, but I think if <laughs> the monkey had his choice, he probably wouldn't be living at Michael Jackson's house. Yeah, now that, you know, the Tiger King is, like, all ablaze, keeping wild animals, not cool. Speaking of keeping things against their will, will? Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. This is all a legend. It's all a legend. Yeah, because um, they settled outside of court all the time, so we never... I th- I don't know. I no, wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, gl- I still I'm have not glad seen. Glad I wasn't there. I still have never seen Leaving Neverland, but maybe that's something I'll have on my quarantine homework uh, list. Yeah. I've heard that's a juicy one. I haven't heard or seen it either. There's a possible alleged child Peter Pannery going on as well. Yeah. We'll leave it nice and vague. Yeah. If you want to dive deep, go watch that <laughs> Netflix special. <laughs> I hear it's really special. Oh, yeah, this next one, is there, I don't know if there's a total criminal element to it, but I just think about him a lot. (laughs) That's just already weird. Eric Clapton. Yeah, Eric Clapton. His kid fell out of a window. I know. That's fucking insane. (laughs) I was trying to think. (laughs) I was trying to think of the song that was inspired by it, which is Tears in Heaven. But for one second. (laughs) I'm a bad person. For one second, I thought it was a song free falling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I was like, that's not Eric Cla- Oh, my God. Why did I think that? It was so bad. Yeah, that's... You are a bad person. <laughs> now I look good. So thank you for that. So it was an accident. And is he... Was it, was. it Was it blamed on his housekeeper? It was an accident. Well, who left the window open? The housekeeper. But she was actively cleaning it. When, what was his name, Connor? Mm-hmm. 
like ran past her. Oh god. And just like went for it. Fuck, dude. That's insane. It's like 49 floors up or something. Fuck. Oh my god. That it that shit gives me nightmares. But so Eric Clapton didn't live. It was with his like ex-wife or whatever. She had custody of oh, the kids. So he didn't he li- didn't live there. I always thought that it happened while he like was, a party was going on. No, no, no. Oh, okay. So it was like the ex-wife Connor and then the housekeeper. Oh shit. But I so always, this happened in my in, eyes, he was always like this criminal that threw his kid out of a window. No. <laughs> so this happened. And in, then wrote the song Free Falling. Yes, you are a dick. <laughs> <laughs> All these years I've harbored this weird resentment towards Eric Clapton. <laughs> I know. Tears of heaven, what a dick. So okay. accident. Yeah, it was kind of like one of those Final Destination style accidents, yeah, though. It's fucking where it's like all these things line up perfectly. Ugh, it makes my stomach turn. But so that's what I, I forgot. So he was actually in New York, though he didn't live there, but he was in New York, and he actually spent the day before with Connor, and they went to like a circus, I think, Aww. that inspired a different song. But yeah, he's very inspired by his child. It's very like sweet and sad. His child was the reason he sobered up, is what he said. To Rolling Stone. Gotcha. Next, I had to include him. R. Kelly. Yes, you have to. Well, on a list of child sex slaves, he's a a sex cult leader. He's got that a leader. (laughs) He's the leader of the sex cult pack with the (laughs) kids in the closet. And you know, I we should what that's another pits. thing we should put on our true crime quarantine watch list is trapped in the closet. I've never fucking seen it. Yeah, neither have I. But I know that there's like a midget. There's also like a 45 minute version of it, isn't there? It's like super I don't know, long. but we need to watch like the 10 part version. Oh Jesus. Next up is Millie Vanilli. Girl, you know it's true. You lip syncing fraudulent British bastards. But they know how to dance. They were really hot. They were? I think they were. Yeah, they were hot. All right. I remember them wearing like white suits and having really long dreads. They were like braids. They were probably They were probably fake. Like their voices. They were faker than their voices. They were holograms. (laughs) Just the hair. Yeah. The last one is Vince Neal. He killed his buddy. Accidentally. From Hanoi Rocks. Yep, he was the drummer. Razzle. And that was in 1982. I don't think he's... Did he serve any... Do you serve time if it's purely an accident? Well, he was fucking wasted. So he got a drunk driving thing. Did he serve any time, though? Do you know? Yeah, I think well, he... My understanding is somehow, like, the label got him out of jail. But he had, like, crazy probation and stuff. And it seems like... That was like when Motley Crue went from Shout at the Devil being awesome to more like theater of pain and more like they started wearing pink and shit, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I think I do. Less fire, more cutting your hair kind of shit. Gotcha. All right. So that ends our very long list of honorable mentions when it comes to music and true crime. Don't forget. We're going to also be going through Dimebag Daryl, Sam Cooke, and the trials of censorship against, namely, Judas Priest and D. Snyder slash Twisted Sister in our next couple episodes. 
But this episode, we are going to focus on or go more in depth on the story of Lisa Left Eye Lopez, one of my favorite people in the entire world. Yeah, we, we and your sisters and your sisters. Uh, my sister Heather. <laughs> Back when we were growing up, I guess in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah, they were a fucking big deal. Yeah. They still are. So if you're somewhat close to my age, and I'm 36, then the female group TLC is probably very near and dear to your heart. They were a brand of girl power that no other female group had quite done or will ever do. When I was about 10 or so... I remember how my sister and I were allowed to go to the warehouse music store and buy one cassette single at a time. I was all about Boys to Men's Water Runs Dry and Janet Jackson's Runaway. My sister, a little more than two and a half years older than me, I don't know why I couldn't just say three, she's three years older than me, she bought the single Waterfalls. I also had a rich friend who used to throw away her old albums and I would get them. And that's how I did eventually get my hands on Crazy Sexy Cool, which Waterfalls is on the full length album, their second one. So my sister and I had plenty of TLC to binge on. I remember when we both mastered the left eye rap. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Uh, where in Waterfalls, like there's a part it. where like, well, I can't do all of it because oh, well, on. part of it too is that we only had the cassette single for a while. And remember, I don't know if you remember the cassette singles, but they're just like these cassette tapes with like a, like a basically like a cardboard outer sleeve, like a cardstock outer sleeve. They usually didn't have room to have lyrics on it or anything. All so right. my sister and I would play it on the cassette recorder, like player thing. We would play it in like slow-mo so that we could like write down the lyrics because there was no internet at the time and we didn't have the liner notes. So we were like, de- so I think that I, I think that my sister and I memorized the Did rap. Did you ever play it backwards to hear all the satanic messages? <laughs> That's, That's what I used to do with all my records when I was a kid. It was Did awesome. it work? <laughs> I mean, oh, look at no. you now. <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah, look at me now. No, it totally didn't work. <laughs> yeah, so... It's just funny because then I eventually got Crazy Sexy Cool and I had the liner notes, but I'm pretty sure that my sister and I, we memorized the raps wrong because we didn't know what the hell she was saying. <laughs> so I just know that like at the, you know, it, towards the middle of Waterfall, she's like, I see the rainbow yesterday, but too many storms. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Man, I love that. I, oh man, I love that a lot. <laughs> I was 10 years old. Come on. So anyhow, I wanted to be Lisa Left Eye Lopez very bad. I thought she was the coolest, best dressed, most original, talented woman I had ever seen. However, I loved all of them. I thought T-Boz had a cool, deep voice and that Chili was sort of whatever for me. It was really Left Eye that captivated me. That's why when I heard about her burning down her boyfriend's house, I thought that there had to be more to the story than just like, oh, she's a crazy bitch which is unfortunately what the narrative was at the time and I think kind of continues to be. So right after the incident and right when Crazy Sexy Cool was released and also Crazy was on the left and she was on the left. So it kind of looked like she was crazy, Chili was sexy, and T-Boz was cool, you know? That is, uh, yeah, exactly. That's how it was supposed to be. Yeah. So like she always had the thing of like she's the crazy one. So when she like burned down her boyfriend's house, everyone's she like, oh, well, she's fucking nuts. She had over one of her eyes. <laughs> That's like not. She had a lot of things over her left. And you know why she was called left eye? 
You know why she picked that name? You can say no. Illuminati, excuse me. So when one of the dudes from New Edition came up to her and he said, oh, you're really, really pretty. She's like, what about me is like really pretty? And he's like, oh, your left eye, because it's a little more slanty than your right eye. <laughs> so okay. she was so like impressed by that compliment that that's why she started going by left eye. Wow. I know. It's really weird. She's like, he's right. And so then she, yeah, started wearing the condom over the left eye. And then when she was with Andre Risen, who we're going to talk about, and he was a football player, she used to do the football black streak under her eye. She also used to do a Band-Aid under her eye. But it was always this, like, focus on the left eye, which is interesting because of, like, the left hand and the left hand path and all that stuff. Right after the incident of her burning down Andre Risen's house... And when Crazy Sexy Cool was released, she posed with a fireman's hat on on the cover of Vibe magazine. So there was this kind of rebellious, like, I don't give a fuck thing going on with Lisa Left Eye Lopez. So a lot of people are just like, she's a crazy bitch, right? I just wanted to go more in depth on that as well as the circumstances of her untimely death. So almost every single thing I'm going to talk about comes from the documentary called The Last Days of Left Eye, a posthumous documentary directed by Lauren Lazen, or Lazen, which premiered on VH1 in 2007. I watched the entire thing on YouTube, and you can find it super duper easily. I recommend it. I've watched it twice, and I really, really like it. It documents the last 27 days of Lisa's life while she took her closest friends, family, a group called Egypt that she managed, and videographers to a spiritual retreat in the jungles of Honduras, specifically the city of La Ceiba, or Ceiba, uh, where they would follow the detox diet of famed Dr. Sebi, as well as do yoga, meditation, and kind of just do some internal stuff. She wanted to document her transformation and growth, distancing herself from the bullshit of the record business. Right before they left, she, uh, the record company that she was with, which I think was LaFace at the time, she was supposed to come out with her solo album called Supernova, and they decided not to release it. Yeah. yeah. So she just wanted to get the fuck away. She was hoping this could be the thing that would get her out of her spiritual rut and help her find herself. But a little background on Left Eye. Lisa Nicole Lopez was born on May 27, 1971, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to parents Wanda Denise and Sergeant Ronald Lopez Sr. These were talented musicians, artists, and creative people on both sides of her mother and father's families, so she took to the music and the arts very quickly as well. She says that she was running at seven months and recreating songs on the piano by ear by the age of like four or five. She was busting at the seams with creativity. Every talent show or event, she was front and center, either singing, modeling, or doing something that made her the star. At age 19, with $750 in her pocket, she heard about an open casting call for a new girl group and moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where she formed the group Second Nature with Tion Watkins, aka T-Boz, and Crystal Jones, which eventually became TLC. T-Boz, Lisa Lopez, Left Eye, and Crystal Jones. They were managed by Perry Pebbles Reed. However, things didn't work out with Jones, and they found a backup dancer named Rosanda Thomas, who eventually became Chili, which rounded out TLC. 
Lisa met NFL wide receiver Andre Bad Moon Risen in 1993, one year after the release of their debut album, Ooh, on the TLC tip. According to Lisa, he started bugging her and bumping into her at a nightclub until she finally gave him the time of day. She finally agreed to go out with him, and when she showed up to his mansion, remember, he is an Atlanta Falcon wide receiver at this point, so he had millions and millions and millions of dollars. He kissed her hand and welcomed her in. She said he was very gentlemanly. She noticed that he didn't have any furniture in his place, and when she asked him about it, he said he was waiting for her to furnish it. Ooh, I know. She said, I'm just waiting for you, baby. Yeah. So she said after that first date, she never left his house ever again. Probably not a good choice. Gotta let the right ones in. Yes. They had a rocky relationship, to say the least, full of passion in both good ways and bad. Six months into their relationship, Ryzen was arrested in a parking lot for allegedly abusing Lopez physically and shooting from a handgun in the air to prevent others from intervening. Now, I was thinking for a moment that this was maybe because, like, big scary dudes were trying to intervene on Lisa Lopez's behalf. But it was like some lady (laughs) that was like, honey, do you need a ride home? She was talking to Lisa, like trying to give her a ride home. I think she was like with her dog. And he shot it. Yeah, he shot into a wall to be like, get the fuck away from my girlfriend. It was like, it was insane. Um, Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So he was let out. You know, like a lot of these football players and stuff, they have like those head injuries from like all oh, the yeah. concussions and stuff yeah, yeah. and like go crazy. Traumatic, yeah. What's it called? Is the Aaron Hernandez documentary. Right. Like some Tra- traumatic brain. Yeah. It's got a it's got an acronym. I can't remember it right now. But yeah, he had a very gnarly short temper slash fuse. Violent, and yeah. basically she decided she didn't want to press charges even though I think it did get physical and stuff, and there were people that were definitely going to back her on it, she decided not to press charges, and he was at practice, like, the next day. Like, it didn't affect his life at all. And you're going to see that is very much a pattern for Andre Risen even to this day. She also caught him in bed with another woman fairly early in the relationship, which enraged her. She said he was the only man who did that to her that she ever stayed with. There's also this interesting connection with the song Creep from Crazy Sexy Cool. Lisa almost didn't even want to record it because it's about a woman who, rather than leave her cheating boyfriend, decides to start sleeping with other dudes behind his back or creep behind his back to get back at him and get attention. Lisa was so pissed about the girl not just leaving the dude, she threatened to wear black tape over her mouth as a way to protest the music video slash song. I was obsessed with that music video. Do you do you remember that music video where like uh, Left Eye is wearing red silk pajamas and Chili is wearing I think blue pajamas and T Boz is wearing like yellow silk pajamas and they're like dancing around in these silk pajamas and there's like a wind machine. Vaguely, yeah. yeah. Man, I love that music video, but I just remember begging my parents for a huge flannel and like hair accessories because I wanted to look exactly like so in the parts where they're not dancing in satin pajamas she's wearing like you know super loose jeans 
or sagging jeans and she's got like boxers showing and then she's got the flannel like buttoned up at the top and she's got all these like crazy hair accessories, you know? Heather still dresses like that. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking that. You know, the the only thing that... I always thought that Heather dressed also... like Marky Mark more so than Left Eye. <laughs> no, it's total... It's TLC worship? Yeah, TLC, LL Cool J. Um... We just talked about him last week. Yeah. We just can't get enough of him. What was the uh, What was the other one where they wore their clo- their overalls Criss-cross? backwards? Yeah, crisscross. <laughs> she loved them. <laughs> I think crisscross was from Atlanta, Georgia, as well. Who sang OPP? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, who did that? Naughty by Nature. Yep. Heather loved them too. Well, that was pretty much the only music Actually, that was I, I like in like the nineties. Yeah, they were okay. So Lisa was no stranger to the Atlanta PD during these early 90s times. There were no real serious charges that ever really came to light. Some alcohol stuff here, drunken disorderly here, maybe a DUI here. But for the most part, no no real crime happened until the fire. We're actually going to listen to a fairly long-ish clip because it's the first time and probably the only time that she ever actually described what happened that night. Our house across the street, our neighbor across the street, and the house is on fire. How did I burn it down? Let me tell y'all something. He had been staying out late. I decided. All right, I'm gonna flip the script. I'm coming home late with some girls with a dress on. Like I just had the time of my life. It's the sun, me and the sun racing home right now. I got home, it was five o'clock in the morning. Andre's car, still not in the driveway. So my plan definitely didn't work. He drove up five minutes after we drove up. Five minutes and Andre's headlights were shining on me. And I was looking back at him like, yeah, motherfucker. And he was looking at me like, what the fuck do you have on? And he gets out the car, and as soon as he walked up to me, I don't know what he said, but he got slapped for it. He went in the house, I went in the house behind him. So it was just all building up, building up, building up. So now it's all coming out, it's all coming out. Everything that I just kept inside, all my frustrations, I was just enraged, I was about to snap, I was hurt. Next thing you know, he pulled me in the bedroom and we were fighting. And the whole time I'm screaming and he grabbed me, throwing me back on the bed, pinning me down. And uh, how, you know, how could you? And, ripping my clothes and he's just going crazy. Yeah, and then when I would get up on my feet and then I would start just beating on him and stuff, you know, he would ball up and he would just let me take my frustrations out. And I was blasted, I was wasted. I was blacking in and out the whole time. And I woke up and that's when I walked in the bathroom and looked in the damn mirror. And when I seen my face, I was like, I'm about to kill him. I had a big bruise right here. <laughs> that went from the outside of my lip, flipped the lip under, to the inside of my I didn't even, almost didn't even recognize myself. I was like, no, no. And then you wake up to fight, no, this is not happening. (laughs) I'm gonna kill him. I was still enraged. 
I was still hurt. And that's when I went in the closet and I seen all of these new tennis shoes just stacked up, just stacked up, just stacked up, just stacked up. I was like, wait a minute. All right. One of these better be for me. I didn't see no damn size four, so them sneakers went right in the bathtub. It's like he's staying out late. Fucking other bitches. He ain't coming home. He ain't buying me no tennis shoes. He ain't even thinking about me. He's just totally disrespecting me. Bruce McFace. I was just like a mad woman, like just throwing him in there, just like <laughs> you're gonna burn. You're gonna burn. <laughs> Went under the cabinet, grabbed my lighter fluid oh, that I used to barbecue it, and barbecued me some tennis shoes. Officials say it started near the back of the home and spread unbelievably fast. Now I'm hypnotized by the flames. I'm in a trance. The flames are growing. The fire, the intensity, everything is just getting bigger and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. My sister ran in the bathroom and she pulled me out of it. Because at that point I was, <laughs> I was just gazing. And when I got outside, I looked at that house and this feeling came over me like, wow, the house of evil is burnt to the ground, burning. We left and we went to the hospital and all of a sudden it was on the news already, six o'clock in the morning. So there's the story straight from her mouth. Honestly, do you think she was justified at all? I mean, she didn't mean to burn down his entire house. She meant to destroy some tennis shoes of his because, I don't know. I get what it. You, yeah. I get it. Yeah, I mean, I've been fucking... Yeah, you've been pissed enough to... Pissed off like that, too. But I, I never did anything like that, but I understand. So another factor that probably contributed to their tumultuous relationship was the fact that her father was abusive towards her mother. He did leave when she was like 11 or 12 years old. So although she was used to seeing it happen, she was also equally ready to fight him and fight back and not let what happened to her mother happen to her. So much of the time, the fights went both ways. However, it sounds like Ryzen was a kind of a dickhead who coveted her and was very protective of her in a very unhealthy way. And she had an extremely short fuse and was ready to fight. However, it's important to point out that she wasn't just some crazy bitch who randomly snapped or went off. I was even reading like old news reports where it was just like, she was mad that he didn't get her any shoes. And it was like, oh, that's more than that. Like he yeah, kind he of was... assaulted her on the driveway and was, and was actively cheating on, her. Cheating on yeah. her. I mean, he did physically abuse her a couple of times. And remember that encounter at the grocery store at like 3.30 in the morning when she didn't, you know, when she dropped those charges and stuff. Like, this is a dude who has access and often carries a gun around with him. Not to mention the fact that he is... A giant football player? Yeah, he's actually... I was surprised. He's actually way smaller than I thought he would be for being an NFL wide receiver. Well, riders, they, they have don't to be have to small, be big. so they have to... Oh, he was... Because they he, catch the ball and run fast. Gotcha. So he was 
or is six feet tall and weighs 188 pounds. She's five feet tall and weighs like 100 pounds. So literally, he's a foot taller than her and almost has 100 pounds on her. So really, this was she she did snap in a sense, but she snapped after months and months of months of physical, mental, emotional abuse. And she very much was a victim. And so there's just one more clip I want to play about her finally defending herself because she really didn't get a chance to in the media because it wouldn't have been a popular opinion. According to a police report, when Ryzen and a group of friends returned from a nightclub, Lisa Lopez ran from the house out into the driveway and began to slap and curse the victim. I was like, I'm a, I am a victim, okay? You got him, like, pegged out to be the victim. What is, you got me looking like an alcoholic. Lisa has an alcohol problem and has actually had an alcohol problem for some time. Like, I was just crazy, drunk out my mind, didn't know what I was doing, and just for no reason, just decided to burn down the house when I was abused, like, physically, mentally. She went with her mother to turn herself in to the police station very soon after the fire. Her mugshot and subsequent pictures of her body show multiple bruises and cuts, most notably the one above her lip. Remember, she's tiny, and he's a huge professional athlete built like a tank. Ryzen publicly announced that he still loved Lopez and that he cared more about losing her than about losing the house. I have cried a lot, he was quoted as saying, but I can't say that I've shed one tear for the house. I can replace a house, but I can't replace the life I had or a certain girl. Lisa received five years of probation and checked herself into a drug alcohol rehab diversion program for 30 days. Here, she had time to reflect and think about herself. Just four years earlier, her father had a drunken altercation with a distant cousin and was shot in the stomach and killed. She was still reeling from that. However, the strict military upbringing made her time in rehab much easier, being a model, quote-unquote, inmate, who made an impeccable military-style bed. During her time in rehab, she also befriended a, a struggling single mother and agreed to adopt and raise her 8-year-old daughter, Snow. Lisa had also adopted a boy named Jamal when she was 20 years old. Like, she's very secretive about the kids that she adopted. It is because I don't think she wanted it to be, like, this big deal. Like, she did it because she wanted to. Also during rehab, she carved the words, I love Dre, in her arm with a lady bick. Right after rehab, they released Crazy Sexy Cool and used the publicity of the fire to help the group get their name out there. And I think they sold something like 14 million records. She also got back together with Andre Risen and at a barbecue at his house very soon after her release, he accused her of flirting with one of his friends and she went inside the house, found a razor and carved the word hate deep into her arm to cover up the word love. A lot of people saw this as a suicide attempt, but she refutes this in her documentary. She just really hated him in that moment. So the letters H-A-T-E still feature prominently on her arm or featured prominently on her arm raised in scarry letters. You can barely see any love behind it. It's very, very poignant. Yeah. Lisa and Andre continued their relationship on and off until the summer of 2001. So I, I think a lot of people didn't know that they did get back together after that. And he did not. He said he didn't care about the fire. And he never really brought it up again in their relationship. I don't think it was my smooth sailing by any measure. 
but and I'm sure he probably brought it up to her in private, but publicly, yeah. publicly, he said he didn't care. He announced that they were going to get married in July of that year on a radio station, uh, but they broke up instead. I could not find anything on their breakup because she didn't go to Honduras until like March of the next year. So there's kind of like seven or eight months where that's kind of unaccounted for. So fairly soon after the breakup, I'm assuming, or when the marriage didn't happen, she took that ill-fated trip to Honduras. Ryzen went on to have two more relationships and four or five more kids. His oldest, Hunter, um, has followed in his father's footsteps playing college football and unfortunately getting into some domestic, some domestic abuse stuff, which prompted Kansas State to let him go. He plays for a community college team in California now. Ryzen has also been in the news for failing to pay child support. He got like $300,000 behind. But the woman that he was with, his former partner, didn't want him to be in jail. So he didn't get locked up for that. So he also has had some pretty close calls with the law and has never really actually served any jail time because he's got a lot of women in his life who don't want to see him go to jail, even though he did something to hurt them. It sounds like he's just getting it back together now, luckily, because he's got a lot of kids who depend on him for getting his shit together. He has found success and happiness being a high school football coach, maybe a far cry from his Super Bowl winning days, but an honest living nonetheless. So back to Lisa. She devoted so much of her life trying to be good with herself and to figure out the spirits that were chasing her. She described these spirits right before her driver struck a Honduran boy while they were filming her documentary on day 25. His condition worsened to the point where he was declared brain dead. Though it was not her fault, Lisa felt compelled to pay for the boy's hospital and funeral expenses. His last name was Lopez. She was convinced that the spirit that was chasing her had gotten the wrong person. She felt death was upon her and talked about it a lot in her final days. Just two days after that accident, Lisa was out driving with the rest of Egypt and her film crew. She lost control of the wheel and ended up crashing. She was the only fatality. She believed in astrology and numerology. Her untimely death occurred on day 27 of the 30 she had planned to be there. 2 plus 7 equals 9, which she feels is the closest number to God because it's close to zero. I don't know exactly. <laughs> I don't get numerology. Over 30,000 people showed up at her funeral. So that's kind of Lisa Left Eye Lopez. 30,000 people at your funeral. Yeah. I mean, she was, she was and is heavily, heavily loved. And TLC is still the best-selling female group of all time. Yeah, I did not know that. What's crazy, too, is at the height of, I think it was Crazy Sexy Cool, when they were winning all these, like, Grammys and, you know, MTV Music Awards and just fucking everything under the sun, they had to file for bankruptcy because they were just getting fucking... It was that early on. It was that early on. It was either during their first or second album. And there's the part in the documentary where she's explaining how you can go bankrupt. Yeah, it's And crazy. she's just like, dude, people fucking Everyone take advantage of cut. us. Yeah. yeah, she's like, dude, we want to do shit quality and we pay for it. Once you start to kind of, you well, know. Well, she's, you get like like some. She was talking about like points on a record and stuff. Cents. She gets, she would get 56 points for every record that was sold. 
And so they made like millions of dollars, but then there's like production costs and all this shit and like lawyer fees. And um, that's the thing about those records, the tax brackets, record labels, like everything you spend making your record is all got to be paid back to the label, like with record sales. And no one's buying records because it's all digital now. Yeah. But like all the video expenses and if they're doing like phone promotion or anything like that. Or any expense that they want to write off, they can just say, like, mention your band's name and then, like... Now it, the it band can, owes it back to them? Yeah, that kind of shit. Yeah. There's it, so many ways were, for the artists yeah. to get fucked. Yeah, they were super duper taken advantage of. They filed for bankruptcy, and actually, I think it was Andre Risen. They had to borrow money from Andre Risen to file for bankruptcy. <laughs> Because I think it was like $15,000 a person to file bankruptcy. While the label's getting all this money. Yeah. It's just, I wish that somebody would have stepped in. I mean, that's the fucking criminal the element business. to it too. But yeah. like, wouldn't it have been nice if fucking somebody, I mean, that one guy, Dallas, Austin or whatever, that I only remember that because there are two cities in Texas. But he like walked away with like millions and millions and millions of dollars. And like he did a lot for them. But she was saying that he wanted $4.2 million for the next record. So she's like, yeah, we're not going to fucking use him. Like, fuck that guy. And they, like, she was very outspoken about getting fucked by the record industry. Yeah. Yeah. Like, decades ago, bands would actually make money selling records and stuff. But those days are over. Yeah. Now when you, like, sign a contract with the label, they own your ass. Yeah. And when their third album, Fan Mail, came out, which had, like, scrubs on it and stuff, I think they actually did end up actually making money because they kind of understood how they got fucked on the first two records. If you can put your own stuff out and get it licensed and stuff, I think you can go a lot farther with it Yeah. than relying on a big vampiric fucking record label. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the story. The very tragic, sad... But also, like, really amazing story of Lisa Lefty Lopez. So you can join our Facebook group, True Crime Dumpster, where we post weekly and discuss the crimes, as well as other kind of related and unrelated things about true crime. You can follow us on Twitter at TC Dumpster and on Instagram, True Crime Dumpster. You can also email us at truecrimedumpster at gmail.com. We also have a website where we post our source info, and I will be better about updating that because what else am I going to do? TrueCrimeDumpster.com. You can listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and Spotify. Look for us on Patreon very soon for a bonus episode. That we're in the works writing right now. Yep. We've been really working hard (laughs) on the couch. (laughs) We're couch warriors. (laughs) Yeah. We're fighting the good fight from the couch. So lastly, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about our podcast. So tune in next time where we talk out the trash. We love you. Stay quarantined. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay indoors. Have a great week. See you next time. <laughs>